Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, April the 12th, 2023. We're doing a show on marriage. We've done some shows on marriage before. Uh, one with an interesting husband and wife writing team, uh, Nikki Gerard and Sean French, who are otherwise known as uh, Nikki French, uh, very successful uh, fiction writers. They're the authors of The Favor. They talk about how writing together strengthens their marriage. We did an interesting show last year with Sasha Eisenberg on uh, America's long struggle for same-sex marriage. He's optimistic about uh, this in terms of broader cultural reconciliation. His book, The Engagement, has done very well. But of course, not all marriages end well, and not all uh, narratives of marriage have political or social ramifications. Uh, last week, we did a show with the foreign correspondent, Anjan Sundaram. Uh, he has a new book out, uh, Break Up, A Marriage in Wartime, which is about how his marriage failed because of his commitment to uh, being a foreign correspondent in the Central African Republic. And of course, uh, as everybody knows, a large, majority, a large uh, proportion, not majority of marriages, end in breakup. So what to do afterwards? My guest today um, has branded herself not just as a writer, but as a divorced mother of three. And she's written a book called uh, Nesting After Divorce, Co-Parenting in the Family Home. Her name is Beth Berendt. Uh, and as she joked with me beforehand, Berendt rhymes with parent. And she's joining us from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, Beth, welcome. Uh, how devastating for you was your divorce, uh, given that you brand yourself as a, a divorced mother of three? I think that's a fair question to ask. Yes, of course it is. Um, we had been married for 18 years, Bill and I, and so um, obviously we'd been giving marriage quite a go for quite a while. We had three children together and um, as I describe in the book, I came from a um, family that divorce was not very common at all. And I didn't have friends who were divorced. And so even though our marriage was having a lot of trouble for a long time, I really just thought that divorce was not something I would ever do, especially since I had children. Um, but there came a point where I realized that the marriage, the problems in the marriage were affecting our ability to parent very well. And I think were, being married was harming the kids more than getting divorced. Do you think that people should, whether or not you have parents, uh, not parents, whether or not you have children, uh, we'll, we'll get to those later. Uh, do you think people who are involved in a divorce should treat it as a kind of failure, not necessarily a fatal failure, but at least acknowledge that they have some responsibility, probably around 50%. Oh, yes, of course, you know, um, because that's the only way you're going to uh, move into being a better person afterwards is to recognize 
painful as it may be, you know, the role that both of you played in the end of the marriage um, or the dying over the marriage over time. And, um, and, you know, accepting that it's not entirely the other person's fault. Are you keen on the institution, uh, Beth? Do you think we've invented a good institution uh, culturally, politically, and of course, in terms of children? Not everyone likes marriage. Uh, Plato famously in the Republic did away with it. Sir Thomas More in his Utopia did away with it, maybe somewhat ironically, but not Marx thought it was a terrible idea. So do you think it worked? I, <laughs> that's a great question. I think it can work. I think that in our society, there's perhaps too much pressure to think that that's the only way to prove that you're, you know, a successful adult is that you've achieved marriage and had children. Um, I think that you should have a reckoning yourself, you know, if you really do want a marriage and if you want that commitment to be equal and how you want that to happen. And of course, those are all very, you know, complicated questions, but I do think that marriage, of course, can be very beneficial to each of the partners and to the children, but I don't think just because you're married, that means it's a, a good situation for um, everyone involved necessarily. Beth, I don't know where Fort Wayne, Indiana is, but it sounds I know Indiana is heartland and Fort Wayne, Indiana sounds heartland within the heartland. You wrote an interesting New York Times op-ed, uh, which formed the basis for the book after divorce, giving our kids custody of the home. And you talked about the cocktail party chit chat about divorce in your mm -hmm. world. It must have been particularly painful. Do you think people who aren't divorced think that people who are divorced are failures in one way or the other or many of them yeah. yes i do and I, you know what i would have counted myself in that camp before i really began considering ending my marriage i felt a little bit of superiority thinking that people who got divorced were being selfish and not considering their kids and um as i said my mind changed as i started to really feel that the harm uh, was being done to our kids instead of the benefits of marriage. So yeah, you definitely feel judged. Um, and certainly here in middle America, while divorce is as common here as it is anywhere else, but, but there's more of the traditional, um, traditional in quotes, you know, family values and a little more of the traditional roles. So there certainly is sort of a, an extra societal pushback about something different, which our approach you know, certainly shocked a lot of people as well, as you can imagine. Well, we'll get to the approach. Um, Tolstoy, of course, famously said every family, every unhappy family is different. He didn't write about divorce, at least formally. Do you think every divorce is different? Can one make rules about divorces? The more I, the more divorces I hear about through friends and colleagues, the more it seems to me as if they are incredibly different. Their narratives, their characters, their outcomes. Yes, there, of course, the specifics can be very different. And the individuals, of course, are very different. Um, I do tend to think there's sort of an, an arc, and I'm not a, you know, therapist or divorce expert, but I, I get a sense that there is a commonality of the marriage being neglected, um, whether it's because of work or 
children or financial pressures. And I think that that is often way back at the start of most divorces. Is, there is a point where making the marriage a priority um, is no longer reasonable for either person or for both people. And it kind of withers on the vine. Yeah, I think that's wise, almost Tolstoyan, uh, Beth, in, in your observations. Um, you mentioned that you were the one who took the initiative. Was it harder for you or for your husband or your ex-husband, do you think? Um, I think that, you know, I, I don't want to speak too much for him, but I think Well, that... you can, because you're not married to him anymore. He's not <laughs> well, I know, but we Someone have... has to speak on behalf of him. I <laughs> well, don't know his name. Well, we are still friends. His name is Bill, and we are co-parenting together. And I actually, um, and we can talk about this more later, but I think the divorce made us much better friends and um, better co-workers than we had been before. So I um, do not want to disparage him in any way, but I think just it, it was more of a shock to him. I don't think he felt that things were as bad as as I did. Well, the, the core of this conversation in the book is about co-parenting rather than the specifics of your divorce. Is co-parenting, though, is it a, um, a, a cultural, sociological thing? Do you think it's a movement of middle or upper middle class white people like yourself? Well, I think it depends on, you know, co-parenting is a very broad term. I mean, it essentially means just both parents being involved in the children's lives. So even if somebody, you know, only sees their kids every other weekend, I guess they may consider themselves a, a co-parent because they're maybe involved in other decisions that relate to finances or um, care. But um, I think that there is more of a swing in the past, you know, probably a couple of decades as compared to like the seventies and eighties where it was very much um, either fell to the, mother of the household or kind of just felt a nobody and the kids sort of floated around, you know, without any real direction from either parent. And I think that there is a, has been a movement and an awareness in our society as we've become more aware of mental health issues and learn more about childhood development and anxiety that they are living with anyway, that I think most parents getting divorced want to make an effort to co-parent together as, as well as they can. Of course, when one speaks to people who are considering divorce or unhappily married, all too often uh, they decide to stick together because of the children. Mm -hmm. Right. The other, but then often people say, well, from the children and an unhappy marriage is even more obvious than to the husband and wife themselves. What's your take on that? Do you think, how old were your kids when you got divorced? When we decided to divorce, they were 12, 9, and 5. Um, so pretty young. Um, I think particularly the 12-year-old and the 9-year-old, you know, had a concept of what divorce meant. They had friends who went between two houses. Um, you know, they had an idea from TV and movies what, what divorce might look like. So it was um, particularly scary to them. Um, I do feel pretty strongly, obviously, since I've taken this approach and written this book, that it is valuable for both people to move on to better lives and find, you know, relationships where they are feel where they are valued and appreciated and have real 
love and romantic love with another person. But I think you can do that without blowing up your kids' lives and making them feel that they are in any way a burden or a hassle to you. And so I'm, yeah, I'm not a big fan of staying married for the kids. I think kids see right through that. I think that it sets you up to live an unhappy life, you know, for potentially decades. Um, and it's not like you get a gold medal at the end because you did it, you know, all you did was be unhappy and probably make your children unhappy as well. The subtitle of the book is co-parenting in the family home. So this is more than just co-parenting. I mean, many divorced couples, I assume co-parent. I'm not entirely sure what that means. But the, the core of your thesis is about the family home. This is the essence of nesting. Perhaps you might explain a little more. Right. It gets the, like the um, name nesting, the word nesting from bird nesting, from the concept of the baby birds staying in the nest and the parents taking turns, you know, coming in and out to parent them. And so the kind of the main goal of it is that the kids' lives stay consistent. They stay in the home where they have been living. And instead of them shuttling back and forth and trying to keep track of all their stuff, the parents take on that um, burden. Um, not that it's, you know, it's not nearly as burdens burdensome when you're an adult and um, have traveled and, you know, understand how to do that on your own. But um, the kids have the consistency and the comfort of being in their home and they still have a parent there with them and um, can enjoy the kind of less stressful environment than going back and forth between two houses. So tell me a little bit more about what the logistics are. Uh, you, you, you decide to get divorced, mm -hmm. you keep the family home, and then you and then both you and your ex take apartments and you shuttle backwards and forwards between the family home. Is that what nesting is? Well, that's certainly one option. Um, I, in my book, interview five other families who are doing it and it's, they're each doing it differently. And I have met over the years, countless nesters. And I'm always surprised at the different ways people come up to do with it, to do it. But um, for our case, when we first divorced, we did rent one apartment that was a small one bedroom apartment. The children were never going there. And Bill and I took turns, you know, in quotations, we were never sharing the apartment, but we, because we were never there at the same time, so, but we did move in and out of that space. Um, and some people do that. Other people may have, um, you know, one person lives with family or friends when not in the family home, or they may, as you said, each have their own apartments. Of course, um, people who've done nesting for a while, most of them move on to other relationships. And so when they're not in the nest, they may live with their new significant other. Uh, but I also know people who have made their house work by, you know, adding on another bedroom or another kitchen and um, find a way in their their home to both live there and yet have a break from each other so that the kids can have a consistency of that. It's almost as if you didn't need to be divorced. You could stay married and just continue in that fashion. Well, I mean, you could if you're comfortable with that. And I think there are some people who do that, that they just agree together. You know, our marriage is done. We're not going to go through actually the divorce process at this time, but we're going to give each other the space you know, not 
parent at the same time, take turns parenting and go off and, you know, date and meet other people. And uh, people do all sorts of timelines to this approach. There's no one set way to do it. Yeah, it's an interesting model. I'm guessing that real estate prices in Fort Wayne, Indiana are significantly less and perhaps less turbulent than they are on the coast where I'm in San Francisco, on the East Coast. Uh, most of our guests seem to be from Brooklyn. I'm guessing the real estate mm -hmm. prices there are very high. Do you think that being in Fort Wayne um, was, a, was a big help in that sense since you had perhaps fewer financial pressures to perhaps sell the family home? I know a lot of the people I know who have getting divorced, especially on the coasts, they have to sell their home in order to afford to continue living as, as, as separate people. Right. But that's probably because they're trying to set up two separate homes to house their children. Um, and uh, I mean, ironically, I guess, um, yes, it's cheaper here, but most of the people I know who are doing nesting are on, you know, in the Bay Area, in Brooklyn. One of the families I interview is in Brooklyn. And besides the attraction to them uh, keeping life consistent for the kids, nesting is just a cheaper way to go. Um, you don't have to have two full-size houses. As I said, we rented a small one-bedroom apartment. I know the people in Brooklyn did the same thing. They found a small apartment that they moved in and out of until one of them um, had another partner. And so it's actually... You're right, we're in a special part of the country for prices not being so high, but because so many of the nesters I know live in these expensive areas and they say that because of that, that's why they were drawn to nesting because it was absolutely impossible to buy two houses that could house three kids or two kids. Um, so that's part of the attraction. Maybe for those of our viewers and listeners who are considering marriage or would like to find a nice man or woman, they might find one in the homeland just in case... Uh... The marriage doesn't go well and then they will have fewer pressures and they'll be able to nest after divorce some people might be watching in all seriousness Beth. some people might be watching this and saying isn't this a kind of over the top in our culture of helicopter parents where parents agonize over their children they worry about their exams their sexuality their their relationships or lack of relationships uh, children should have a jolt of the real world as much as adults and if a marriage doesn't work it doesn't work and, and children have to accept the consequences what would you say to that kind of critique well i think it's important to remember that you know this isn't the 1800s uh, children and adults are not the same we have we're at different developmental stages and yes of course i don't think we can coddle our children forever from the hardness of life but i don't think that parents need to be the reason to bring a lot of stress to their kids' lives if they can help it, certainly when the kids are younger. You know, perhaps if you have older teenagers and you're getting divorced, you can have a conversation with them and they can drive themselves and they don't need, they don't need this sort of arrangement. But I think with younger kids, I don't really know why you would dump all that on them. So what are the practical lessons uh... Beth, you've, you've learned that you could advise our, our viewers and listeners in terms of if they are indeed considering nesting after divorce, of, of, of maintaining the family home and shuttling back in and out, uh, what should and shouldn't they do after you've been through it and after you've written this book? 
Yeah, it's some, uh, and of course, I, I guess I'd like to start by saying that this, of course, is not for every couple. And so if you're dealing with things like um, abuse or addictions, or the children don't want to be with the other parents, I certainly do not suggest that you try and make this work. But if you, even if you are having a contentious divorce, there are ways to set this up so that there's very little overlap or none at all of the two of you in the space in front of the kids. And it's really important to set some boundaries about privacy within the nest, about what sort of communication will happen in the nest, um, how you will communicate with each other. And then of course you need to give some thought to the financial aspects of it. And if, um, and what's fair in terms of the amount of, you know, family support labor that either of you is doing and what you can realistically afford to do to set up another um, living space. Did you make mistakes that you regret in your nesting process? Um, nope. Um, no, I'm kidding. None? <laughs> wow. Not at all. No, I'm, I'm I bet your ex wouldn't agree. We'll <laughs> yeah, have exactly. to get him on in another show. Exactly. No, of course I did. I mean, it's hard not to, um, oh gosh, uh, get overly worked up about things that perhaps don't really matter. You know, at the time there was a lot of wanting to, I'm sort of a, perhaps overly controlling persons. So there was a lot of sort of one of controlling what the house looked like when I came back in, what had been accomplished or not accomplished and kind of expending a lot of energy on things like that, that eventually I realized, you know, what, what was most important is that the kids are happy that they're, you know, getting to school. It doesn't matter if they had McDonald's three times this week, you know, it's just, you kind of learn to let things go the further along you get into it. Um, no, I and wouldn't I mind that... being your child, Beth, if I'm allowed to have McDonald's three times a week. <laughs> well, that's only under their dad's care, not mine. <laughs> yeah, blame him, right? <laughs> I bet he doesn't cook, does he? I bet you're a better cook. No, well, you know what? Actually, he's an excellent cook. Oh, um, he is? But he, does he spoil them? He has a more um, crazy hour job than I do, so often he'll have good intentions early in the day. Then by 6 o'clock, it's like, I still have to work, so go get some McDonald's. So, you know, it's all, it's all fine. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to really think about what, what you're going to expend energy on um, emotionally and, and work on your communication skills with each other and prioritize what really is worth communicating about or what's not. The book is called Nesting After Divorce. Um, it's a very interesting book. You, you acknowledge that uh, you were inspired to write the book by Laura Wasser's It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. This was a book that got a starred reviewer on Publishers Weekly a few years ago. What, what is your book saying that the Wasser book doesn't say? Well, the reason I mentioned the, the Wasser book is that that was the first place I even encountered the idea of nesting. I had never heard of it before. And as soon as I read about it in her book, which in her book, it's just sort of mentioned in a couple of paragraphs of mm. options that people might do. And so that's what intrigued me. And then I think that because at that time, this was nine years ago, there wasn't anything about it on the internet. And I was just figuring out everything myself that it finally occurred to me that, you know, I could maybe help other people <laughs> who want to figure this out by, um, by giving them a, a resource. And so 
her book definitely gets more into legal and financial stuff. And mine is really focused on this nesting co-parenting, although I do interview attorneys and um, realtors and other uh, financial and mental health professionals as well to try and give people some insights to what you need to consider. Yeah, the thing with divorce is it's such a traumatic thing to go through. People often aren't able to separate themselves from the mm -hmm. process. And I guess what you're saying, and it, it seems obvious, but it isn't always said as clearly as, as you're saying, that just as there are failed marriages and successful marriages, so there are failed divorces and successful divorces. And your book is about really how, especially if you have children, how to do a successful divorce. Yeah, I like how you put that. That is a really great way to say it. And that is what um, I think. And I think that there are very, very few successful divorces, but there there could be more. And hopefully this will be a way that can help, uh, particularly parents, find a way to a better divorce. What about pets? Uh, <laughs> out in San Francisco on the coast, the the coastal elites um, carry their pets around in their handbags, little expensive dogs and obsessed with their cats. Could could this also apply to pets? For some couples, uh, a, the, their dog or their cat is the equivalent of a child, sometimes even more meaningful. Yeah, that's, um, that's actually not a bad idea. I like it. I'm a big dog fan myself, so I can see how that would be really nice for the dog to just stay in its um, comfortable place, and which is actually something that I... I think it got a little bit cut out of the book, but I had a big story about how our family dog, you know, the kids had the comfort of being around their dog every day. They didn't have to leave it. And the dog wasn't sort of traumatized, wondering where have all the kids gone, you know, part of the week. And, um, and then we were all together here in the nest when she died at a ripe old age. And, um, you know, we'd all like spent time with her all these years that, we might have lost if we'd been doing a different approach. And then um, recently we got a new dog and, you know, brought him in and Bill and I were in agreement that we would get a dog. Of course, we, of course we were in agreement together before we brought that into the household. But um, it's kind of the same thing that that dog is a big part of our nesting experience. Well, let's end uh, Beth. It's an interesting conversation. Um, with your hope for people who are in unhappy marriages. I hope I haven't made a light of it, tried to get, make this entertaining. But of course, for many people, a bad marriage is deeply, un, deeply more than dissatisfying. It makes one completely miserable. You're suggesting that there is life after divorce, um, whether or not you have children. And, and, and finally, how does this play out with other romantic partners? Because presumably you and your ex went out with other people, maybe even met other people. Can this work? And, and when you have a third or a fourth partner, another girlfriend, another boyfriend, another husband or a wife, can it still work? Yes. I mean, the evidence indicates that at least from the people that I have known and that I interview and from our own story, uh, my husband, ex-husband has actually remarried uh, recently and he um, has been dating this woman for a number of years, and she's always been very supportive of the nesting situation. Of course, you know, not every partner is going to be self-assured and confident enough to be supportive of that, but she respected it and is really a really wonderful part of our family. Um, dating after divorce is tricky, and it's a little tricky to explain to people, you know, what you're doing, but if you're very clear about 
that you're doing this for your children. You're not doing it to try and get back with your ex. I found that that was a really good way to get into that conversation right away and make it clear that, um, that this was about my kids and my dating this person was about me wanting to date them. And I would do it separately from when I was uh, parenting in the nest.